grudge. You know, just like judge, grudge. When I was thinking about the message this morning, one of my favorite cartoon strips, Hager the Horrible. Any of you remember Hager the Horrible? Well, years ago, as I tried to find online, there was a great illustration on the first frame that Hager picks up a grudge. And then the next frame, he's nursing the grudge. And the third frame is he's holding a grudge. Okay? So, I'm going to talk briefly about these three elements of picking up a grudge, nursing a grudge, and holding a grudge. Okay? So, I also wanted you to be sure that I wasn't saying grunge, but grudge. That's what we want to emphasize here. Grudge. You think, well, now that's an odd topic. Why would you want to talk about the word grudge? Especially when you look at the cartoon strip, you know, when he first picks it up, it's this cute little monster, okay? And as he's nursing it, you know, it grows, and then it becomes larger than uh, life. But why I want to talk about grunge is... The scriptures really clearly say to us, guard your heart, for out of it comes the issues of life. If you're not guarding your heart, then with all this free um, culture that we have, that we live in, whether we listen to the radio, see TV, or read advertisements when we're in the grocery store, I mean, all this is bombarding us. And we need to guard our hearts from that. We all face the temptation of picking up an offense of what someone has said to you personally, especially today uh, when we hear the unthinkable things and see the unthinkable actions that people do to one another. Uh, This past year I've been teaching in an elementary school and You know, when I lived in the Navy, expletives and hand gestures were kind of the norm. Well, when I saw kindergartners doing that and saying those expletives, I thought, whoa, this is pretty sad. This is very sad. And, you know, we can hear in the sports, trash talking, you know, is kind of a cool thing. But the reality is, trash talking is nothing more than a put down. And as Christians, that's not something that we need to engage in. I recently went online to look up the definition of the word grudge. And the Collins English Dictionary defines grudge as resentment strong enough to justify retaliation. The persistent feeling of resentment, especially one due to some cause, such as an insult or an injury or both. 
to feel resentful or envious about someone else's success or possessions. You know, like anytime we watch our favorite sport team, we can see some of these fans go nuts. I mean, they say things and do things, and the trash talk, you know, is, is pretty remarkable. But the thing is, when I, I thought, well, what's a real simplified word that we could sum with the word grudge? And the thing that came to my mind is just resenting people enough to do physical damage. In other words, knock their clock out. That's a, probably a street way of saying it, but that's what grudge is meaning. Like, and I picked up the ball, you know. We all have this temptation to pick up an offense. But we have to decide then, do we want to pick that up? Do we want to feed that grudge? And do we want to hold on to it? And that's what I want to talk about today. And before I begin there, one of the things that I thought of over some 30 years ago, Corey Ten Boone came to Tulsa. Um, some of you recognize the name. Some of you, it's like, past their heads. Well, anyhow, this lady wrote the book, uh, The Hiding Place. And in it, she's given an account of what happened to uh, her life in, in, uh, in Nazi-occupied area during World War II. She and her family were all sent off to prison because they had harbored Jews in her house for safety. Well, there in prison, her sister died. And she felt that the individual guard who was responsible for her death she'd never forget. Now, when we have someone that we love very dearly go through something as difficult as that, it's really hard to let go of a grudge. It's hard to let go of resentment. But to go on to say that Corey Ten Boone, years after she was released from the prison, She's in a meeting, and here, lo and behold, that jailer, that guard in the prison who was responsible came up and embraced her and says, I've come to know Jesus. And it took her back. And I think it takes any of us, you know, the person that heard us or said things that really dug in deep, it's at first, it's like, whoa, what do I do with this? Well, she goes on to say she needed to accept that man and forgive him. Wow. Very difficult. But she did it because the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for her sins just as much as he died on the cross for that man who was responsible for her sister's death. Holding a grudge pours its 
coercive or corrosive bitterness into us. It affects the whole thing. The biggest thing about holding on to a grudge is that it opens the door for envy, malice, jealousy, bitterness, gossip, slander. Our minds start to fill in with all this, these garbage thoughts that, wow, I want to even score with that turkey. You know, our flesh. We still live in this flesh. We may know the Lord, but the temptation to give in to a grudge is there. It's very real. Holding a grudge will devour you from the inside out, eventually turn you into a bitter person. All this happens because you refuse to forgive the one that hurt you. As a young man, I like to draw, and I am fascinated with drawing old people. Here I am, becoming an old person. And the first place I look is their eyes. And after I look at their eyes, I look at the wrinkles in their eyes. Then I go down to the cheekbone, and then I go to the mouth. And it's interesting. People who have gone through some difficult things in life, how their marks are etched in. You can tell those who, when they smile, it really, they're genuinely a happy person, even though they've gone through difficult things. But also I can recall uh, looking at some men and women whose face is etched in with a scowl, like, oh, bah, hung bug, you know, just like uh, uh, Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, the same thing, that scrawl. If we don't forgive, folks, we can become just like that individual. In fact, that's one of the things as I think about as I get older, I just pray, Lord, I do not want to become an old curmudgeon. And I, I find that I understand now better than I did 40 years ago when I was drawing these characters how easy it is to take hold of a grudge. It's real easy. Holding a grudge keeps, us, keeps our life running on rewind, preventing us from moving on with life, looking forward to the future. Ah, no way. We always are keeping look at the back of our shoulders, some past injustice that we experienced. We recall how awful it was. A grudge handcuffs us with negative pasts and causes us to irrationally dwell on the past and blame our present futures on the past misfortunes. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm getting close to 60 here, and I'm beginning to see the reality of how we need to let go. When people mess with us, people will do us wrong. We've got to be quick to say, God, help me to forgive that individual. I've worked with people over the years, 
And uh, some of the brothers know my uh, my saga of the continuing uh, issues with a certain individual I work with. And there were days I would think, oh, how can you forgive that individual? All the cruel things that was said. But I'm here to testify and say, God be my witness. That God changed my heart to pray for that person and genuinely care about her. In fact, I was surprised I hadn't seen her in over a year since uh, our program was shut down. And she called me. She just wanted to talk. She didn't have any animosity. She was just pleasantly glad to see me. And I think, wow, that's the Lord. Because I can, you know, if I want to go back to my rewind there, I could bring up a bunch of stuff. But I don't want to. Because the thing about grudge is we still have the choice. We can pick it up. We can hold it. You know what? We can nurse it by thinking about all those horrible things people said. A couple years ago, when I was at uh, St. Louis at the Conclave, there was a brother there who was sharing about his experiences in Vietnam. And when he came home, the things that had happened to him. And I thought, wow, why is he saying that? You know, this is like 30-some years ago. Well, you know, the thing about grudges you can kind of shove them aside and not think about them unless something kind of stirs it up. And I felt like, you know, I wasn't going around digging up the past, but it was like it was at that time the Lord was dealing with me that I needed to forgive those individuals that I was embittered towards. You know, the, the biggest one was uh, people I knew who were very anti-war. Not that I'm pro-war, I'm not. But um, I had really struggled with that. And it was that instant that I realized that, man, I need to repent and I need to let go. And that's what I want to come into next about grudges. How do you let them go? How do you resolve them? Well, the first thing we have to do is we need to be willing to forgive and strive for grace. Willing to forgive. Well, that sounds easy. You know, I can ask God to forgive my sins, but is it that easy to forgive the person who may just tore you into pieces? Now, you think about it. We still live in this body. We still have emotions. We still have feelings. How do I do that? Well, the first thing is we've got to say, Lord, I need your grace to help me forgive that person. Micah 7.18 gives us a statement why God forgives. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. God forgives because he delights in showing mercy. God does get angry, 
He does have wrath, but that is not the way he wants things to be. God delights in showing mercy. So through forgiveness, what do we mean by forgiveness? I want you to try to think for a moment everything that you have heard or assumed about forgiveness. Let a single word impress itself on your mind. The biblical word, the New Testament or New Covenant word in the Greek is called aphesis. In English, it means simply release. Now, just a moment. Don't make any more complicated than it is. Release. To forgive means to choose someone whom you have been holding in your debt, holding in resentment and bitterness, to release him or her. Now, just like that individual in my workplace, I had to come to a place of saying, God, I want your grace to help me forgive her. I want your grace to be able to truly release her. And you know what? It happened. As I released her, I was released from the bitterness that I had towards her. Here's the thing I want to point out about um, forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a compromise of morality. Don't ever think that God would confuse moral clarity and moral responsibility with grace and forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a violation of justice. God will never compromise his justice. Forgiveness is not merely avoiding conflict. There are a lot of us who do not like conflict, and some of us, we just don't want to have hard feelings or hard words at someone. So, We'll skirt around the issue and, you know, sometimes forbearance is the right thing to do. But a simple avoidance of conflict is not the same thing as forgiving an individual. Forgiveness is not calling something that someone else did that was immoral or destructive okay. It's not turning a blind eye towards injustice. Forgiveness simply means that you choose to release somebody from a personal obligation to you. Even though that person will have to face the justice of God, forgiveness never means calling something that was very wrong just okay. Forgiveness is a new way of looking at others. It's a radical, counterculture perspective on life. Just like when I'm in school and I see these little kids fussing with each other. You know, the culture encourages revenge. The culture that we live in encourages to kick back. It does. And so when you talk about forgiving, it's like, They look at me like, you what? That is the strangest thing. You what? You forgive someone? Whoa. Forgiveness is holding people, letting them go. Instead of holding on 
with your bitterness, holding on to your grudge, holding on to you, I want to make my day with you, is letting them go. Letting them go into God's hands. You will see people for what they can be and what they were intended to be rather than what they are today. You know, when we talk about forgiveness, Jesus' disciple Peter asked, he said, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Eh, indefinitely. We are to forgive if we don't. Let's remember what happens if we don't forgive. Jesus gives a startling warning to us about forgiveness. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Matthew 6, 14, uh, 6, 14 and 15. If we refuse to forgive others, God will also forgive to refuse to forgive us. Why? Because... We don't forgive others. We are denying our common ground as a sinner in need of God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness of sin is not a direct result of our forgiving others, but is based on our realizing what forgiveness means. It's easy to ask God for forgiveness, but it's difficult to grant to others. When we read in Matthew 18, 23 through 35, Jesus answers this in a parable in which a man owed a king 10,000 talents, today's equivalent millions of dollars. And he was on the brink of having to sell his wife and children into slavery to pay for the debt. But the pleas of that man to the king resulted in canceling the debt, forgiveness, release. But now it goes on here. But that same man turns on a man who owes him a mere 100 denarii, or for us maybe a $20 bill. And when the king hears of that, he's incensed, saying, you wicked servant, I canceled all the debt of yours. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow uh, servant? The king rescinds his forgiveness. And Jesus' closing remarks are these. This is how your heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. It's not just given a mental assent, but in your heart. Jesus goes to the heart. The issue of the heart. Are you forgiving from the heart? We have a choice to make. We can either choose to pick up a grudge or hold and hold it, or we can forgive them. And we know what the outcome is. You're going to be a miserable individual if you hold on to that grudge. Oftentimes, I'm reminded of this. When Jesus said, pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless and curse not. Boy, I still 
can see these words. I can still see me back in the Navy. I was working uh, as a, a, a mess cook for the, the chiefs. And what that meant was uh, the chief of the Navy, it's like an E-9 or E-10. They're kind of up the ladder in non-commissioned officers. So I was, in a sense, kind of like uh, what the officers had as a uh, steward. I would cook their breakfast, or if they didn't want that, I would go to the galley and get that food and all. And it was there, I just became a Christian, and these words came so vividly to my mind. When people despitefully use you, bless and curse not. And I, I can still rehash that in my mind over and over. Oh man, I've got I've to bless this man who just called me despicable things. I'm going to pray for that individual. Wow. That was low of him. I mean, who does he think he is, you know? Lord Jesus, help me to bless those who despitefully use me. It's not a, an easy thing to do. So my message this morning is a reminder that we need to guard our hearts from begrudging those who hurt us and to see God's awesome power transform a bitter, broken person into a changed person, mirroring the heart of God. We don't have to dig around looking for grudges. God's Holy Spirit is able to speak to you here this morning, or speak to you in the bathroom, or even speak to you while you're driving your car to work. God is not limited where He needs to speak to you. But the thing I want to encourage you to do is when he does point out to you that there is a grudge, there is bitterness that you have to an individual, you need to first forgive him. Now, <clears throat> none of this is say we should take our sins against each other and minimize them, expecting others just to put up with our major mess-ups just because, whoa, none of us are perfect. I'll say it again. Forgiveness is the gutsiest thing a human being can do because real people do real damage to each other. I like Jim Grinnell's expression, uh, dealing with people's messy business. Boy, that is so true. <laughs> I'm a mess too. Oh, man. So here's what our marching orders are, church. Forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. But how do I do that? Well, I can't just do this alone. It takes the Spirit of God in us to be able to truly forgive people. The biblical doctrine of crucified life, the doctrine of Christian forgiveness, is based on the atonement of Christ. Every morning when we come in here to receive the communion, it's a reminder of what Christ did on the cross. And that's what makes forgiveness real. Not something made up, not something conjured up, but very real. 
It says, if you died with Christ from the principles of the world, if you have been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Contemplate the things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is safely kept with Christ in God. When Christ, our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. For each of us who ask Christ in our hearts, we have been bought with a price. You know, when it comes to forgiveness, that really strikes home to me. I'm no longer my own. Yes, I'm Dave Troutman, and I know what I'm doing in this earth, but the reality is I don't want to be a slave to sin anymore. I know that in me, I still have garbage. I still have the ability to pick up the grudge. But God's Holy Spirit in me gives me the choice. I can either pick up that grudge or I can say, yeah, I don't. I want to let it go. There is some secular information here I thought was pretty good about Duke University had did a study on peace of mind. Factors that he found or they found greatly uh, contribute to the emotional and mental stability. I need that. The absence of suspicion and resentment, nursing a grudge was a major factor in unhappiness. That's interesting. Nursing a grudge. You know, when you pick it up and you think about, oh, that's so-and-so. He was such a jerk. And you just keep on rehashing over and over your mind. Well, it's saying here, if you're going to nurse a grudge, you're going to be an unhappy person. And I've seen people, and I believe some of you have as well. The next bit of advice is not living in the past. An unwholesome preoccupy with old mistakes and failures causes depression. The next thing, not wasting time and energy fighting conditions you can't change. Cooperate with life instead of trying to run away from it. And here's one that I, I struggle with that I, I find need to encourage you know, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, Let us stir up one another into love and good works, so much the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, here's a good application. Force yourself to stay involved with the living world. Whether, When I think of the living world, I think of getting with other believers. Resist the temptation to withdraw and become reclusive during periods of emotional stress. Boy, this past year, I... I had really struggled with that. I just wanted to be in a cocoon. I just didn't want to see people sometimes. And I would have to say, I'm going to house church tonight. You know, I feel lousy, but that's all right. God, you'll bless me. You'll help me to have a different perspective. It's the same thing with going to church. Maybe there's some Sundays you don't feel like, oh, I need to go sleep in. I don't want to. Well, Here's what we need to do sometimes, folks. We have to pick ourselves up and say, I want to go to church. I may not feel the greatest, but I want to go hear the Word of God. And the last one I thought was really good. Refuse to indulge in self-pity. 
when life hands you a raw deal. Accept the fact that nobody gets through life without some sorrow and misfortune. I thought, what a truth. You know, we have to choose. Are we wanting to pick up the grudge? Are we want to pick up the raw deals that people have done to us? And we, do we want to nurse it? Do we want to keep on thinking, ah, that miserable person, that miserable person. Well, that miserable person becomes you. That's why God's word tells us to let it go, to release it. Well, let's just kind of sum up what I've said today. We know what grudge is. It's just basically resentment gone sour. Holding a grudge will devour you inside out, and you'll become a bitter person. Holding a grudge keeps life running in rewind, you know, like always going back to the past. That person did that to me. You know, I don't want to go there. And forgiveness is not a compromise of morality. And don't think that God is confusing moral clarity and moral responsibility with grace and forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a violation of justice. God will never compromise his justice. And forgiveness isn't just avoiding a conflict. It's not skirting around the issues. Forgiveness is not calling something that someone else did that was immoral or destructive. Okay, whatever. It's not turning a blind eye towards injustice. Forgiveness simply means that you choose to release someone from personal obligation to you even though that person will have to face the justice of God. Forgiveness never means calling something that was very wrong just okay. You know, Corey Ten Boone, it wasn't right what that guard had done to her sister years ago. But what she had to come to grips with, she had to forgive. She had to release. God is a just God. And that's one of the concepts that uh, many people and sometimes I struggle with, how the wicked prosper. But when you read in Psalm 73, when you come to the sanctuary of God and see there is a, a judgment on all of us, man, I want to forgive. I don't want to be the one that says, oh, man, I want you to give me that $20, even though God already you know, spared me a million bucks. You owe me the 20 I don't want to be guilty of doing that. I want to be one to forgive. In closing, I want to say this. Micah, Micah 6.8, which says, He has shown the old man what is good, And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God? And as you do, you have these grudges, and it comes time for you to forgive. Forgive means to release. God says when you ask forgiveness, That sin is gone. We don't need to rehash it. We don't need to rehash and review 
the offense that people did. Just like I threw that ball away. That's what we have to do with sin, with bitterness, with grudges. We have to throw it away. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you for the death on the cross that you have given to each one of us in this room. And Father, I ask that you would help each of us in the coming days, Lord, when there will be difficult people who will do foolish things, who will think that killing us is doing a service to God. Lord, help us to forgive those individuals. Help us to forgive those who say cruel things, whether they really thought about it or not, Lord. Help us to forgive. Lord, we want to release those individuals into your care. We want to be free, Lord, of the bondage of holding grudges on individuals, whether they are believers or they're not. Lord, help us to forgive. We ask this in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. Amen. Thank you, David. Wow, what a powerful, clear visual image, wasn't it? Throwing that grudge away. I'm going to remember that. Appreciate you, brother. Let's remember the uh, ladies' night, fun night on Friday night. There's a sign-up sheet out here. Also sign-up sheet out here for the uh, Saturday 12-hour prayer advance. encourage you to sign up for one or both of those events. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the example and the model of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who, when he was crucified, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. May that be the hallmark of our lives, Father, the willingness to release offenses against us, Lord God, and not hold them, not nurse them, and not bear them, as Dave spoke today, as we tend to do with grudges, Father God. We thank you, Father, for this good word, this good admonition to each of us, Father, as we live our lives in Christ. And we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege of being together. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray that we would take this word to heart and you'd help us to apply it in all the parts of our lives, we pray. Thank you for this time, Father. We pray for your dismissal in Jesus' name. Amen. We're dismissed.